Welcome to a special interview portion of Gold Bazan. I'm Samson Timjani. Omid Namazi has appeared on this program a couple of times, detailing his stints as an assistant for Carlos Quiroz for Iran's 2014 World Cup qualifying campaign, and as an assistant for the U.S. men's U-20 team. Since then, he's bounced around in jobs with U.S. soccer and a couple of Iranian teams, most notably a short spell at Zobahan. This week, I sat down with Namazi inside a Houston Starbucks cafe where he's settling into his first MLS job, being new manager Tab Ramos' right-hand man at the Houston Dynamo. I asked him about his new move, as well as his controversial past with Karosh and the current state of Team Mali. Coach Omi Namazi, I uh, appreciate you for making time for me again. No problem. It's my pleasure uh, to, to talk to you and to your program. Uh, I know I've been on there before with some of your colleagues, but uh, this is uh, this is nice. You've recently made the, the, the switch from the U.S. Uh, U-20 team being the assistant for Coach Tab Ramos and then now joining the Dynamo. What was your latest switch like? How did that come to be? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Tab and I have been working together since 2014. Uh, when I first came back from Iran, uh, you know, while I was working with the national team there, I came back here and started working um, first with the women's national team. And then uh, uh, once um, Joe Ellis took, took over, she brought in her own assistant. So I, I switched over to uh, being an assistant with the 20s uh, on the Tab. And then uh, start of 2016, I also became the head coach of the U18 national. So, uh, you know, whether it was the U20s or, you know, head coaching the U18s, my relationship with Tab was, with Tab was very, very close because we were working together all the time. And I think through that, um, we talked about, hey, if there was ever an opportunity for us to get in the MLS, whether it's me going in as a as as a coach or, or him becoming a head coach somewhere, that uh, we would form a team. And it happened that Tab left U.S. Soccer just uh, about a month ago and joined the Houston Dynamo, and he had already asked me if I wanted to join him, and I uh, didn't hesitate saying yes. So this was something that you guys talked about you, you would want to do together. Yeah, of course. I mean, it wasn't, you know, while you work somewhere, you, your total concentration is, is on the task at hand. But we had spoken about today, you know, in the future, if there was an opportunity and we can form a team uh, to coach in the MLS, that, was, that, would, that would have been one of our goals. What do you think, both of you going into your first stint, heading an MLS program, what do you think would be the tools for success in your first, in your first time doing that? Well, just making sure that uh, first of all, we we have the core players that uh, we need in order to play the style of play that we want to play. Um, we feel that choosing Houston when Tab uh, was going through his interview process, I know he was asked about you know uh, he was asked from a few different teams to come in for an interview, and he picked Houston because of one reason he felt that. The team already had a good nucleus of players that, given you know some changes here and there, and also um, you know acquiring some players, that we could have a very competitive team. So um, we feel we, the nucleus is there, um, and uh, hopefully in the next month or so, with a few more additions, we feel we can we can uh, compete for for a playoff spot and even further uh, this next year. You've been in many different positions just in this decade alone. Uh, has your strategy or your overall tactics changed at all through the years? 
not really. Uh, you know, whether coaching, you know, in Iran with uh, with Carlos Queiroz, and then afterwards, women's national team and and uh, the youth national teams here in the U.S. Uh, later on, I went to Zobalan in Iran. Um, your view of the game uh, never changes. You have a certain way you think your team should play, and that's never, that that never changes. Now. You go into situations where you don't have the tools to play a certain way that you want to play, so you need to adjust and, and be flexible. But again, uh, nothing has changed as far as my view on the game. I I like to play an attacking style. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but with um, with an emphasis on possession and uh, good movement of the, the ball, you know, and, and making sure that the team is. Uh, spread out and occupying all, all spaces in order to be able to keep possession and, and create opportunities on, on goal. Well, you were an assistant for Coach Carlos Carroche for, for the process of, during the 20, uh, 2014 World Cup qualification process. How did that work with uh, you, as you say, being more attack-minded and, and him more uh, defense-first, establish the uh, attack from there and become the number one Asian team out of that? Yeah, well, I mean... When Carlos first took over, uh, he had a clear idea as to what it will take for Iran to be successful. And he felt like there was a lack of discipline. Uh, And uh, when I say lack of discipline, mainly in in regards to defending uh, and defending with numbers. And he thought that if he he could create an environment where everybody believed in uh, getting behind the ball and defending uh, with all their might, that eventually you know we will be able to win the game by a goal um or be you know be in the game to the end so um he i thought in the in the, in the years that he was there seven or eight years however long he was there i thought he established that he gave the team a good discipline um we always felt like we had a chance at the end of the game to win the game and you know, in 2014, prime example, for our last three qualifying games, we had to win every game. And his tactics were we were going to defend, we were going to sit deep, and then we were going to counter. And, um, you know, the, the goal against Korea that put us in into the World Cup is a prime example of how he felt that Iran could be successful at that point. Now, as the team changed from 2014 to 15 and 16 and some younger players came through, I felt that he exploited the, uh, the, the idea of playing more attacking and he was, you know, changing the style from being completely defensive. And in the 2018 World Cup, the cha- it, it, it showed. Uh, we were able to compete, still defend very well against some of the top teams like Spain or, or Portugal. Uh, but then, you know, we also had chances to score and, and possibly get out of our, our group. But it didn't happen. You know, I felt the, the players were a little bit more clinical in, in front of the goal. But, uh, that, that feat could have, could have been achieved. You say we, even though you weren't, you were no longer on the yeah. staff. But you still rooted for that. Of course. You know, you, uh, you know you, when you work for four years and you're in camps and you're – Daily working with someone, uh, you know, you're attached to that. Uh, I uh, actually didn't leave on a good note with Carlos, but I always felt like that was I was part of that team. I was part of what what we started there, and and uh, I always wish him good luck. After you left uh, Team Ali, you went on Iranian sports talk show 
and you gave feedback that was less than maybe rave reviews of Karosh overall. You said he was probably a 6 out of 10. And, and as you said, that was after you left on kind of a bad note. Can you provide some insight on what exactly that bad note was? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I left uh, because, you know, a, a slew of reasons. One, uh, I felt like uh, my relationship with Carlos throughout the four years, for three and a half years, was a great relationship. It was a relationship where I felt, you know, whatever he needed, uh, whether it was on the technical side, whether it was his communication with the Federation, I was the first one he would go to. Um, there came a time where that, for whatever reason, that relationship was no longer as close or as tight. And I felt that. Um, at the same time, I had not been paid by the Federation for six months. And then an offer came from U.S. Soccer to uh, get back here and work with the, uh, with the women's national team. And this is where I always lived, you know, for, for the majority of my life. Um, my kids were here. Uh, I, I felt that this was a good, good opportunity to come back, live at home, actually in New Jersey, close to my kids, work with the Federation and sort of restart my career here in the U.S. So I, when I left, um, I had a long talk with Carlos, and he felt very betrayed by me leaving at the time. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure people know or you know that after I left, he made some very derogatory comments about me, and I felt that that was very unfair. So my whole view of him sort of changed. I was... It was a, I was a little sour about what he had said and how things had unfolded. Um, when I look back, I can't say, I mean, it would be unfair to say he was a 6 out of 10 coach. I think Carlos Kiros is one of the top coaches in the world. Yes, he's a defensive-minded coach, but um, I, I feel like he's very shrewd. He's very organized. He's very thoughtful. Probably one of the smartest guys I've ever come across. Um but, you know, he has his own style, and, and uh, maybe not a lot of people like that style. But uh, I, would, I would definitely change my, my grade on, on his coaching uh, now looking back. Uh, at the time, I was, you know, rightfully so, I, I was bitter about the way uh, it had ended and, and what he had said in the press about me. Um, so uh, I, I, he, he's in Colombia doing good things, and I wish him nothing but the best. Do you feel like the the talent has been set up from the youth talent going to Europe and succeeding in Europe? Do you feel like uh, those players in Iran uh, have the formula to, to still be Asia's number one team? I, I think the talent's there in Iran. There's no question about the talent being there. I don't think the talent is being developed the way it should be. Uh, there, there are a few reasons why, and, and I think a couple major reasons are one is the infrastructure. Uh, we don't have proper facilities uh, to, to, to develop players the, the right way. And I think uh, also we, we lack in the coaching department. I think the coaching style or uh, the coaching at the youth level in Iran is very old school. And they're not up to, up to par with what's going on around the, around the world. I feel we play a very old uh, type of soccer. Uh, it, it shows in the league games uh, where the games are very direct, very physical. Uh, very few teams actually play good football. And uh, I feel that's, that's a byproduct of not producing or developing the right players.
as we all know, momentum of Iran has completely uh, shifted downwards. Mark Wilmot started with a bang with humongous wins, 14-goal victory. He tied South Korea in his first road uh, game in a friendly before the team's performance drastically dipped with, with a loss at Bahrain, a loss in Jordan against Iraq. Uh, just from just from seeing and hearing about all that, what, what is your reaction to the, that sudden decline? Yeah, it, it's it's uh, surprising. However, I can tell you those games, whether you're playing Bahrain in Bahrain or you're playing Iraq on on uh, you know neutral soil, they're not easy games. I mean, I remember us with Kirosh, we lost to uh, Lebanon in Lebanon, and Lebanon is much more inferior than the two teams we had just mentioned. But it happens, uh, you know, when uh, conditions are the way they were in Lebanon, like the day, on that day, it was hot, it was humid, uh, the field wasn't great to play on, it was very bumpy, and the style that they had chosen to play was very defensive and making sure that they really parked the bus in front of their net. It, uh, it, just, it, gave us, it gave us a lot of problems when we lost the game, and I feel the same thing has happened in the last two games. This doesn't take away from... You know, the fact that maybe in his selection, in my opinion, uh, Wilmot's made some uh, some errors as far as his lineup. Um, but at the same time, I still think he's a quality coach. He's coached the Belgian national team. He's coached at the, at the very high level. You can't give up on a guy who wants to sort of change the, the face of the national team and change the way they play in two games. Uh in Iran, unfortunately, uh, people are sensitive uh, and, and very emotional. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff said about, you know, now we need to make a change. I don't think that, I don't think uh, change is necessary at this point. I think um, there has to be some sort of understanding that Wilmots, if he's going to coach the team, he needs to be in Iran. He needs to be watching the league games. And he needs to have a good understanding with everybody involved, especially the Federation people. He needs to get paid on time. Uh, that, that's something that's always been a plague for the national team. Uh, and I feel if, if everything is in order, he can be successful. Um, going back to what I said about my opinion about his lineups, I feel like, you know, he needs to look at all the players and put those players in, in the places where or in in spots where they can be successful. For example, uh, the last two games I felt that he felt obliged to play Taremi, Osmoon, um, uh, Ansari Fag, 35-year-old Shojai, and Mohebi. Well, the last game, Shojai was sort of inserted in, but he still played Mohebi, played uh, Taremi, and played uh, Osmoon. All three are center forwards. They're not, you know, when you look at Tarami, he's not a winger. Or you look at Mohebi, I, I work with him actually with the, uh, with the Olympic team for, for a short time. Uh, he's, not, he's not really a winger. He's a typical number nine. So when you have these guys playing out of position, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't create a good mix. Uh, I feel, you know, uh, Vahid Amiri could be used on the left wing. I feel 
why not? If John Bosch is not playing, but he's still training every day at a very high level, he could be very useful. He could be our right wing. Osmoon can be our center forward, or Ansari Fad could be our, our center forward. And we truly miss a true number 10 on the team. So I feel like there's a little bit of tweaking that needs to be done, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, he needs to be given a chance to correct it, and, uh, and I think they'll be successful. Taking a step back, uh, reflecting on, uh, on on your own coaching, uh, how you have worked with players, your chemistry with your players, the, the fact that you've bounced around in, in different places uh, from the women's and then to men's, and then you returned to Iran briefly, had a stint with Zobahan, didn't work out. How do you get the trust of players that you're working with that uh, you will be beneficial for them in the long run? Well, uh, let me just, uh, I need to say something about my stint at Zoban. I'm very proud of the work that I did at Zoban. Uh, and why I say that is because if you go back and look at the, look at the games that we played, uh, whether it was press or uh, experts looking at the games, they all felt Zoban was playing probably the best football in, the, in, in, in Iran at that time, in the league. Unfortunately, we missed uh, players who could finish for us up front, and we struggled in the scoring department. But as far as possession, uh, pressing, um, you know, completing passes, I felt, and, and the stats back it up. Uh, in fact, I, I um, tweeted out the stats at one point, but um, Zoban was definitely playing some of the best football in the league at the time. We just weren't getting the results. But I felt, given the time and maybe being able to add a player or two in midseason, we could have turned the season around just like they did. Uh, I had just brought in uh, Arsalan Mutari. He had trained with us for three weeks, but wasn't able to play because he, his uh, ITC wasn't ready. Uh, you look at last year in the second half of the season, he scored all the three-point goals for them. Uh, you know, the goals that made, that made them uh, win games. So, uh, again, very proud of my work. But, you know, going back to your question, if you're honest with players, if you have a clear idea of what you want to do, you put the players in the right right place for them to succeed. You slowly try, you slowly um, gain their trust, and and I felt I had the trust of the players even till last day uh, that that I left uh, Zoban. Um, and, and the players enjoyed playing in the way we wanted to play. We wanted to play attacking. We wanted to press and get the ball back quickly, have the ball for the most part, and, and they enjoyed that. Uh, unfortunately, again, you know, there was a lot of uh, misjudgment as far as referees go. Uh, the, the, uh, the program 90 uh, made a case of it that Zoban had probably been on the wrong side of all these calls the most out of every team in the league and, and also you know us there was there was a part that came back to us and that was not being able to finish our scoring chances but going back to stats again through my time in Zobahan and that part of the season we created the most goal scoring chances in the league we just didn't finish it. and that's why it didn't work out you, th- you think there will be a good buy-in uh, from the players and attackers from Houston to to kind of fit uh, you and Coach Ramos' vision? Yeah, well, this is, this is Tab's project, and, uh, you know, I'm very much in favor of what he wants to do. 
He wants to play, uh, you know, on the front foot. He wants to press very high, be very aggressive, regardless of where we play. Um, and we have the players to do it. Uh, and at the same time, when we have the ball, he wants to be, you know, uh, conscious of keeping possession, but also very conscious of going forward with the ball. And that's uh, that's the main ingredients of how we want to play. Well, what about the just the overall fan culture uh, in Houston because, in terms of the fan base? Because there's been a huge struggle for the Dynamo in that department. They've had a low amount of uh, they've had a low amount of attendance uh, recently, recent uh, years. Even when they did go to the playoffs, the attendance has one of, been one of the lowest in the MLS consistently. How do you how do you think uh, your performance is? Uh, and overall, off the field things like getting a better relationship with the fans. How do you how do you envision stuff like that? Well, for one, I, I think uh, the selection of Tab as a, as a head coach has created a lot of excitement in, in town. Uh, but that won't be enough. You know, we need to get out in the community and, and really connect with the fans. Uh, and and uh, you know, get get uh, get to people and let them know that hey, uh, we're here. Uh, we're going to be a competitive team. But at the end of the day, people want to see winners. And our main goal has to be concentrating on the first team and maybe make sure that we have a winner uh, on the field, a uh, winning team on the field. So uh, that's what we're working towards. I feel like it, if we win, we're competitive. We get in the playoffs not only one year but consistently and we contend for championships. I think those fans will come back. Uh, ten years ago, when they were winning championships, they were selling out the stadium. So, yeah, maybe some of the excitement has rubbed rubbed, rubbed off or, or, or dwindled down. But I think with a winning team, uh, things will start picking up again. Do you think it might take one or two uh, one or two internationally known players for that? Possibly. I mean, we we are always looking at our options. Uh, you know, we're not a big spending club. Uh, Is that something you want to change? Well, we, you know, it, not necessarily. I mean, the club has a philosophy and how much they want to spend, and we have to work within those parameters. Uh, we have been able to go out and get a player like Darwin Quintero. Darwin Quintero is, is a player who's got a big name, especially amongst Mexican fans, having played in America for many years. Um, so hopefully he'll bring some people to the stadium. And, and you know, again, if there's an opportunity to go out and get a big name and it makes sense financially for our team, we'll definitely look at that option. But um, we feel like, again, the pieces are here and we can win with this team. And, and hopefully by winning, we'll bring people uh, into the gates and, and create a lot of excitement. You think there's some uh, potential to reach out some of the Iranian-American community in Houston, like the, the businesses on this side of town? We're in the southwest part of Houston. A lot of Iranian-owned businesses, former Iran player and former LA Galaxy player, Arash Noah Moose, he lives in Houston. He has a couple of restaurants. I know he has a, a nice uh, sa- a sandwich and deli restaurant and bar in uh, Bel Air, Texas. Yeah, you think you want to reach out to people like that? Yeah, I uh, have a great relationship with Arash. I've seen him. I've been to his restaurant already three times since I've been to Houston. So, uh uh, yeah, that's one of the goals. Uh, get out, let people in the Iranian community know that uh, you know the Houston Dynamo exists. One for one, and uh, you know, hopefully, by me being here, it creates a sort of a link to to the team, and hopefully, we can get some of those people out of the stadium. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's definitely in the plans. Are there any Iranian American players that you ever keep in touch with? I, I know, obviously, Stephen Betashore would be the biggest one. Do you ever think about stuff like that? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, Steven is a free agent now. His name has come up. Uh, so we we certainly have him and his name on our radar. Uh, I do keep in touch from time to time from, from you know, whether it's former players or current players. Uh, you know, there's some former national team players that live here in America now. Hadi Aghili is, is living in New York, and I'm yeah, in touch with them from time to time. So you got to keep those relationships going. And if there's there are players that, that are Iranian-Americans or Iranian players that are playing in the Iran League, if we feel like that they can help the Houston Dynamo, we certainly will look at them as, as possible options. In the in your first year going into the situation, how much of a potential for success do you see with your roster com- and and in the rest of the Western Conference competing? Uh, if if I'm to speak as to uh, you know our situation and our team at this point right now, I would say we could be very competitive. Um, I feel like we have a team that, that can definitely get into the playoffs. Um, we are short, uh, again, at this point, we're short of a good number one goalkeeper, but we're working hard at that and trying to identify the, the goalkeeper we want for this team and the style of play that we want to play. Um, if we land the right person, I feel like, you know, we if, if we don't make the playoffs, we've underperformed. Uh, and then, you know, when you, when you make the playoffs there, it's a one game. You know, you look at Seattle this year, and they won on the road, and they got they, they on the road at LAFC, and they got to the championship, and they, they were able to win the championship. I feel we can be we can be that team. We have good pieces on the team. We have good, uh, very skillful players down the middle of the field, and I feel like uh, we, could, uh, we could play with anyone. You feel like there's still part of you that, that feels like you'd like to go to be in Iran and, and succeed there again. You know, it's very difficult to work in Iran. Uh, the environment, uh, the culture, does not foster uh, someone like me to go there and be successful. You need you need people who are familiar with you know what we call hashia in Iran, uh, which is all the surrounding things besides the technical stuff um, and really my uh, my work is on the pitch I don't need to worry about you know whether one of the players is talking to the press or you know there's this going on I think it you know that falls on the on the shoulder of the team manager or the general manager of the team and you know I, I would say look I can never say na- no uh, never. Uh, because obviously I have part of me that that's in Iran, and I, I would uh, actually cherish an opportunity to go back. But it has to be the right opportunity. It has to be with with a club that is committed to a long term plan, uh, not just you know six months. And if you don't get a couple of results, then they, you know everybody's up in arms. But a long term plan where they want to develop a culture at a club. A culture of winning from their very young youth teams all the way to the first team, and that was my plan in Zoban. Unfortunately, the person that took me there uh, didn't didn't stand strong behind me um, because I felt like we could have we could have made it happen. That was a good club with the right infrastructure that that could have happened. But in the future, if 
you know, there's an opportunity with the right person at helm as a, as a GM or as a director, and he's committed and they are serious about the work they want to do, then I'll definitely listen. We say club and not national team. Uh, well, I mean, look, if a call came from a national team, whether it's the Olympic team or whether it's a senior national team, how can you say no? Uh, but again, very difficult. It depends on where I am, you know, at that point with my career. Uh, my goal is to someday coach in the MLS, be a head coach in the MLS. Um, this is the first step. I'm in the league now. Uh, I can experience the league and learn a lot more about the league, the players, and uh, ways to be successful and, and have a winning team. And then we'll see. If the opportunity comes to become a head coach here, that's my first goal. Uh, and if the call comes from Iran uh, and it's the right opportunity, I'll certainly listen to it. Well, you're definitely one of the, the most prominent uh, Iranian-American figures in American soccer. Do you ever get asked or do you ever think of uh, any prospect of an, an Iran-USA friendly in the future? Oh, I've thought about it all along. And when I was coaching the youth national teams, I always wanted to try to set up a game between the U18 national team and the, and the Iranian U18s. It's just that with the political climate right now, it's it's almost impossible. The federations uh, didn't want to? Uh, it wasn't that the federations didn't want to. I think the federations have spoken about it. It's just that I think, let's let's give an example. If Iran was to come to the U.S., it, it would be very difficult to obtain visas for the players. Um, it's just right now it would be very difficult to make that happen. But I think in the future, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see the U.S. play the U.S. The, the U.S. play Iran in a friendly, and and uh, you know nothing will make me happier than that. Just because you know they they both uh, just like you, I uh, my heart's with both, and you know I, I get joy out of each team winning uh, wherever they're competing. All right, coach. I thank you again for your time. Thank you. Hey, this is Arash Markazi from ESPN, and you're listening to Golbezan, your one-stop shop for all your Iranian soccer news.